Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, Runner Back Productions proudly presents to you episode 61 DL. I was trying to think what rhymes with 61 and I think I've got one. Episode number 61, where Snags' time in the sun is done. It's time to let the dogs out and let Stoney have some fun. So boys, buckle up, get ready to run, because this intro is officially done. Sony, what an introduction. What an absolute introduction. I actually forgot who Snags was for a minute there when you were talking and you dropped his little name in there and I just sprung back in my head. So where is the great man? What's the, why, why am I doing the intro? Mate, our boy's just taking a little breather today. He's had a big week. Uh, so I made the call, benched him tonight. Benched? Actually benched him. It was a tough conversation. Asked him to sit down and said, mate, look, tonight's body. You're going to have to hit the pint. So uh, Snags is on the pine tonight, but that's okay. We've got a, a pretty stellar lineup anyway. We've got a Stoney and Statman in the house, so we're all good there. The start of this podcast is actually quite a good. We've got a UFC 267 in the house today, which leads off a pretty hot three months of cards for the UFC. I know there's been a couple of dud cards in the last couple of weeks. You actually haven't seen any tips from the boys for a couple of weeks too. We did some group tipping, uh, but nothing individually. So looking forward to get back into that. Before I go any further, let me introduce the stat man. Mate, how are you? I'm doing really, really well. I'm excited that we've apparently got Lin-Manuel Miranda running the podcast today, um, dropping the beats. I love it. Um, <laughs> you're not wrong. The, obviously, the, the cards in the previous couple of weeks, as is often the case, not amazing on paper, but have been pretty solid, pretty solid affairs. Really am excited for the next three events. Oh, we got 267. Then it's like two weeks later, we've got Usman and Covington too. And I think that's also the card that we've got Thug Rose and Whaley Zhang too. Uh, and then uh, a month later after that, we've got Francis Ngannou and Cyril Garn. So, uh, and Marino Figueredo three. So it's going to be a really ridiculous couple of months. Um, I'm really super excited for UFC 267. I can't wait for it. I've got a couple of cool stats for us later on in the show, so let's let's get into it. Boys, before we jump into the podcast, we need to thank our sponsors, Humble Fightwear. Humble Fightwear is a jiu-jitsu brand that celebrates one of the most important parts of martial arts, becoming humble. Love the passion behind this brand as they are all about the journey. You can count on the quality of the gear every step of the way. Head to the Instagram page and give them a follow or go to their website www.humblefightwear.com.au and help them spread good vibes one purchase at a time. And for being amazing Run It Back listeners, the legends at Humble Fightwear are giving you 15% off your entire order. Code word for that's really simple. It is RIB15. That's RIB15 at checkout. Boys, let's jump into the podcast. <laughs> Boys, the UFC went into damage mode last week when Costa announced he wouldn't make the weight. The weight class seemed to be constantly moving throughout the week. Boys, would you like to see more fights at a catch weight or continue to penalise fighters for not making weight? Look, it's an interesting one, DL. Uh, I love the concept of a catch weight. I think in order for it to work, I'd love to see it being more of a mutually agreed as opposed uh, to a... uh, (laughs) a reactive sense to someone coming in far over the weight. But the idea of a catch weight, it's always made an abundance of sense to me, mate. Um, when Connor and, and Cowboy agreed like months out, let's just, you know, fight it at 
uh, a weight class heavy. It made a lot of sense. But to do it on fight week, I think that can be a little bit disrespectful to your opponent. But in this case, credit to uh, Marvin Vittori. Credit to Marvin Vittori is a freakish sentence to come out of the boys. <laughs> um, but all credit where it's due. Uh, as far as catchweight fights, I think a 195-pound division would be an interesting move for the for the UFC. I know also a 165-pound division um, and a 175-pound division has been bandied about as well. Um, much like Stoney, I would love for fighters to show up at their contracted weight and if not, find them. Uh, but I think fighters taking – used to be called Franklin weight or money weight, uh, that 195 catch weight between 205 and 185 – I'm, I'm down for it as long as both fighters agree to it well in advance. Let's go to the listeners. So we asked the listeners, penalise or full purse at catch weight? And they took penalise, 80%. 20% said no. We're heading back to Fight Island, lads, and with that early start for this weekend's pay-per-view, big question, will the boys be getting up or staying late to catch it? DL, how early is early? (laughs) Well, the prelims start at 3 a.m. and the main card starts at 7 a.m. Jesus. Probably a little bit too late to do do the all-nighter. Remember we did Holly Holly Home and Beth Oh, the was, in Japan. Where was it? In Japan. In that Japan. Was really and so um, you and I and went our other halves beverage. went out for a few beverages and a nice feed and then remembered that UFC was on, started around midnight. That was perfect. Yep. This is a little bit too late to uh, take that approach. Yep. Look, I think I'll be I'll be getting up to catch the tail end of the main. There's a couple of juicy fights on there. Stat man. Yeah, I, th- I thought it was actually going to be earlier. I thought the main card started at four, which I would have been okay to stay up late for. I can't do it for seven, and I'm a I'm am terrible at getting up early on a Sunday morning. Although there are some, there are four amazingly juicy fights on the main card there that I'm super keen for. So I might have to might have to go to bed nice and early on the Saturday night and get all my get all my gaming and my drinking out of the way on Friday night, and go to bed like a good little uh, good little boy on the Saturday night to get up early for some fights. Statman, there is a chance that I've led the listeners astray here. Let me confirm. Yeah. Mate, we're going to split the difference here. So the main <laughs> card, the main card starts at five a.m. Okay. and the pre the prelims start at one thirty a.m. Oh fuck! Yeah, well, I, I, mate, <laughs> it, it depends. On, it's going to depend on how good the main card, the the prelim card is. I will stay up till one thirty. I'll watch a couple of fights and we'll see where that takes me. There's nothing more uh, adrenaline pumping and and enough to keep you awake than a couple of good knockouts. But if it's 15-minute decision fest, 15-minute decision fest, I'll probably end up going to bed around about two. (laughs) Might stay up and watch Amanda Rivas. We'll see how it goes. Oh, yeah. Hey, the listeners are strong on this one. 65% said yes. Got some goers. 35% said no. Eternal MMA this week upgraded to a bigger venue. Boys, are we starting to see a swell of local interest behind the promotion? Mate, I think we are. The biggest and the best Eternal MMA fastest growing promotion in the land, DL. It, uh, I can't wait till one day when they finally come back to Melbourne at Etihad Stadium. I look forward <laughs> to it. It's an upgrade. <laughs> From the Pavilion to Etihad. <laughs> I love the Pavilion, just quietly. Oh, I still reminisce. The atmosphere, 
59, Eternal 59, I think yeah. it was. I think yeah. it was, um, yeah. they, they put up the, the rivalries on Facebook last week and, you know, which, which had the best face-off and, uh, yeah, that main event, Hibbert and, and Etchell, that was intense and the atmosphere that night, um, add in the Jack Jenkins uh, and our JVH, yep. boys, we were up and about. That, that was a cracker night and it would be a tough one to top even by Eternal standards. If they come back and I enjoyed a card more than that, Hats off to him. Yeah, I don't know if JVH and Jenkins will fill uh, Eddie had. Maybe, <laughs> maybe Festival Hall. We might go Festival Hall. Bit of a local one for you there, Craig. Sorry, mate. Damn, I, I no, get it. Totally. Total listeners will get it. Absolutely get it. <laughs> but, um, I, I think that uh, as as Australia continues to make its its name on the on the scene globally, we're going to see obviously a trickle down effect in interest in the sport at a local level, and especially as we have fighters like King Casey um, and, of course, Jack Della making their way into the UFC and making some noise, we're going to see people track back their earlier fights to Eternal, realise that this is a breeding ground for future UFC fighters, uh, and they're going to tune in with interest. No social poll on that one, boys, so we're jumping straight into the next one, which is a little fun. Boys, we've all enjoyed a good tag team, especially at SummerSlam. Um, and this week on our socials, we hinted at a three-man tournament between Connor, Diaz, and Tony Ferg. Lucky Snags isn't on. He would have run that. Um, boys, who would be your ultimate tag team? Stoney. I feel like I've been missing out on this SummerSlam fiasco. <laughs> so what we're looking Delicious. at, we're looking at a six-man tag. So we're picking two partners each, are we? So yeah, uh, uh, for us. Yeah, Very I, good. I looked up some teams. There was some three, three people teams in the WWE. Yeah, absolutely. Six man tag. That's that's what we want. Um, look, I would be heading into Absolute MMA in Collingwood uh, with my two boys behind me. That would be none other than the Statman oh. Craig and the producer DL. Yes. <laughs> that's all the tag team partners I need, boys. Yes, <laughs> we're going up against Snags. I hope uh, Snags. <laughs> Farjack and Lestrang. Sorry, boys. I've just dumped oh, us wow. in there. No, I don't. No, I don't want to take on that. Not I'm, not. Frank I'm, I'm taking snacks. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Are you kidding me? It just it just cuts to you in a knee bar. Uh, Lestrang like trial choking me and Farjack boxing the hell out of producer D. Oh no, I don't think that'd be very fun. No, it's not. It's terrible. <laughs> I went with some UFC guys to, to back me up. So I've gone – I've always loved those um, – the strange bedfellows tag team matches where you've got like, oh, I'm a, I'm a clean freak. And I'm, you all know what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> I've gone with Brandon Moreno, uh, flyweight champion. I think that he's kind of like – he's got like a Rey Mysterio-esque vibe about him. And I'm going with Stefan Struve, the skyscraper. Stra- kind of like a big show <laughs> Rey Mysterio vibe going on. Um, and I reckon I – reckon, with me right in the middle uh, at the perfect average height of a normal human male. Um, There's actually a faction in the late 90s, that man, that, that looked a lot like that called the Oddities. Yeah. See, I, I'm pretty decent with my um, with my pro wrestling knowledge, especially the Attitude Era and stuff like that. I don't, I don't recall the Oddities. We'll look them up and uh, DL, I'll put this on, on the social so everyone can yep. picture what Craig's um, fable, yep. stable, <laughs> stable. <laughs> it would look like. Yep. Uh, the Oddities, uh, circa 1999. Oof. I'll check it out. All 
Nice hot take, boys. It was good. We didn't really have picks in the last card. Well, it has been about two and a half weeks, so we'll just skip over the results in that one and just jump into the leaderboard. Still still the same. So uh, actually one slight move. Uh, so Snags has fallen to last. Officially. <laughs> that's officially why he last. benched himself. That's why, he, that's why he's taken out here. <laughs> officially. So the it goes Snags and then Statman. We've got two on the night. Uh, USC Vegas 39 was the last time we did uh, individual picks, boys. Jeez. Yeah, it's just had USC 41, so a bit slack there from the lads. Uh, Stoney got two, so he sits nicely with me at number one, both on 17, and that is the leaderboard. All right, boys, I think it is time for this week on Neds. Neds has become the official betting partner of the UFC in Australia, and you can catch our weekly blog at neds.com.au. Is gambling a problem for you? Call Gambling Help on 1-800-858-858 or visit www.gamblinghelponline.org.au and always remember to gamble responsibly. Boys, this week on Neds, Stoney took the rain uh, and we jumped into five of the strangest pre-fight rituals. This is a really dark subject, this one. Yeah, look, really enjoyed this one, DL. Had a lot of fun piecing this one together. So obviously uh, we've got Jan Blahovic headlining this week and we're all well aware of his ritual with the the dead man or the hangman's rope that he so fucked up yes <laughs> for, for people who don't know so and correct me if i'm a little bit misguided here stat man but i don't think i am he was walking his dog in the forest uh one day when he come across uh a man who'd hanged himself and like most people do in that situation you you take a bit of the rope for good luck <laughs> yes <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I just, just wanted to clarify normal. that I had that part correct. It's a yeah. normal. It's normal. <laughs> My favourite part about it is he's like, I almost always win whenever I do. <laughs> it's not even 100%, almost. mate. What are, you do- what are you doing? Why are you touching this rope? Get away from it. <laughs> yeah, so if, if taking the rope itself wasn't sort of creepy enough, the fact that you, you know, stroke it for good luck before <laughs> before every fight uh, it's a little bit different but anyway it, it sent us on a bit of a, a journey DL to think what are what are some of the strangest uh, pre-fight rituals or superstitions uh, that we've come across uh, over the years and we got five uh, five pretty good ones I thought in the end so where did we start with it Stony where did you go first DL started uh, going back a little bit Danny Castillo, now a bit of a party boy, uh, fought in the UFC many years ago, had a a fairly interesting fight week tradition, uh, so much so that he convinced his girlfriend that his uh, lucky charm or or his superstition was that he had to go to the strip club uh, (laughs) every fight week that he was in Vegas um, in order for him to perform well. And now uh, I think as I said, said in the article... Uh, not only did his relationship not last, but but neither did his win streak, and <laughs> he actually ended on I think losing four of his last five in the in the UFC. So uh, we give it to him for his creativity and his commitment to the cause. But uh, it turns out uh, titties aren't the answer to to long and successful UFC. I wonder, I wonder how many losses after the whole "it's my good luck" charm. Do you reckon she gave him one, and she's like, "All right, mate, you can do that," but if you lose. Yeah, never going there again. It's just, it's just. How many times do you have to let that that good luck charm fail before your girlfriend's like, maybe, maybe it's not right, mate. The part that I find funny is that he's dropping all his cash at the strippers <laughs> and losing his fights. So I hope his show money was uh, was oh, it decent. Reminds me of that. 
dude a couple of months back who bet his show money on him to him, himself to win oh, the fight no. and then lost. <laughs> Did he? Oh. Look, I think uh, Statman's actually onto this because I found a quote for him saying that he it's worked eight times in a row and he looks forward to making it number nine. <laughs> He's never had an eight-fight win streak, boy. So he was <laughs> lying to the media about his win streak, clearly lying to his missus as well. Oh uh, so God. Danny Castillo, hats off for trying, buddy. His missus found Sherdog and that's when she realised that, hang on You're losing? You're losing? Win-loss, win-loss, what the fuck? <laughs> No, babe, that's a, that was a win. When he puts the other guy's hand up, that's a win. <laughs> they like to signal out the loser. Yeah, oh, boys, number four, a uh, bit of a podcast favourite. Actually, certainly a personal favourite. Met this lad at a UFC expo many years back. Um, have you been to UFC expo, Craig? Oh, yeah, actually I have. You've been yeah. to a UFC before. I have. I think we might have run into each other once upon a time at <laughs> UFC 141. Anyway, another time, boys. Uh, Clay Guida comes in at number four. You know, most people like to conserve their energy and, and particularly their chin before a fight. Uh, not Clay Guida. He likes to get slapped repeatedly very hard <laughs> by his, I believe it's his younger brother who outweighs him by a good 60 pounds. Oh, wow. um, oh, and his, his quote was along the, the lines of, no one's going to hit me harder than my brother. So when he um, basically beats me up, it gets me very excited. And then I know I'm ready to roll. Um, surprisingly, this is a man who's had something like 57 professional fights. Um, <laughs> He actually speaks reasonably well, so he's not showing any signs of CTE, but a bit of an interesting tactic from our boy Clay Guida. I was just going to say it's also an interesting tactic considering Jason Guida's had 49 fights and only won by knockout seven times. (laughs) 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 They showed um, on the article as well, if you jump onto nedsocon.au, you can see a a YouTube clip that UFC put together of the best moments of Clay Guida and it's all of him is just getting slapped in the face and belching really loud between. Oh, he, does the, he does the belch in the corner. It makes oh, me does. feel so unwell, He gives it everything. Uh, where do we head for number three, Stoney? Number three all the way to the depths of Brazil, boys. Uh, Leoto Machida. Uh not, not necessarily a only reserve for fight week. This is a bit of a, a tactic that he employed throughout the, the best part of his career. But uh, something Lyoto swears by, boys, is uh, gaining a competitive edge. And, you know, during his, his time, his run in the sun, I think he touched UFC gold in 2008. We're talking firmly in the middle of the TRT era uh, where people were just juicing uh, to the absolute gills. Leona Machida found a, an interesting way to juice by drinking his own piss DL. He believed it had healing properties that, that basically <laughs> detoxed and flushed his system and uh, ultimately, you know, achieved peak performance. So a bit of an interesting one. The, the medical community is a little bit divided on urine therapy, uh, but nonetheless, we can't argue that he did go on to be a UFC champion. So maybe Leona was onto something, boys. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I, I had a look. I did a deep dive into the, the medical... Uh, experts' opinion on urine therapy, and I wouldn't say they're divided so much as they're categorically against it. Um, but you know, like, I mean, maybe that one in ninety-nine doctor is right. I don't know. Who knows? Maybe, maybe Leonos found a secret, uh, the, the lost city of gold, and it's just the gold in his cup. Oh, God. Uh, where do we head for number two? <laughs> number can't, two. Can't get any worse, can it? Oh, a bit of a strange cat coming at number two, DL. Matt Lindland. Now, t- take us through, he, as a fighter, what was he like, Statman? I can't really re- remember a lot about him, to be honest. Uh, early day pioneer of the sport, uh, very, very highly ranked. Uh, lots of really good fights against 
really, really good fighters uh, in the in the upper weight divisions. Yep. Um, he he kind of started to fall off the wayside just before the peak of UFC of MMA popularity kind of reached its zenith. Um, but he had his fights in Affliction and stuff like that. Um, so kind of around that mid two thousands time, he was a good fighter. Um, yeah, yeah, wrestler based. Coach. What I do know, in NCAA Division One wrestler, uh, yeah. he loved getting very close to his opponents in the grapples. Uh, interesting DL. He started to employ, you know, fairly unique strategy of not showering for an entire week before his fights. He felt that if he could repulse his opponents enough and make them genuinely uh, repulsed and uncomfortable being near him in the cage, it might work in his favour. Uh, needless to say, I think he dropped eight of his last ten or something <laughs> thereabouts. So obviously, uh, his opponents uh, found a way to to deal with the Linlin stench <laughs> as it become common around the locker room. But again, creativity of these people to to get that competitive edge, uh, not showering for a week. And this is in uh, weight cut, so you can imagine the, the saunas, uh, the sweatsuits. Boys, I, I could not think of anything uh, worse. And, you know, I'm just going to let it be known if Sugar Snags turns up and hasn't showered in a week, I'm not participating in that grapple deal. Also, would he? Have, we would have staff so bad. Like, yeah, would, oh, that that was one of my 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 big concerns is and is the staff infections and and just the the uncomfortable position he's put his coaches and literally everyone has to travel on the bus with him or the plane with him to to fight week. That's gross. Every every official that has to check him and everything like that. Yeah. Jesus Christ! I just hope he's circumcised, man, because that would be fucking <laughs> yes. Gee, I wonder if they just don't do jits because he's like dirty, like just like no. It's, it's an, effect, it's an effective. Up. Like I don't think that I would particularly like, if, especially if you knew it, you'd be like fuck. But then he ended up getting his face jabbed off uh, at the end of his career as people try to keep their distance. So, um, what was the the premise of why do you hope he was circumcised? Oh, smegma, mate. Because it can just smell. <laughs> it gets all gets all gunky in there if you I'm don't sure wash. It's going to get gunky regardless. Oh, yeah, that's true. Just as gross. Um, all right, well, but, that's not a very good segue to, this, yeah, to number one. DL from staph infections to infections of another kind. Apparently, uh, we go all the way to uh, the pioneer of women's MMA, Rowdy Ronda Rousey. Now, this is one I actually really enjoyed, DL, because there was a little bit of science behind it. Uh, Rowdy's on, on the record numerous occasions talking about something she loves to do in the lead up to her fights is have as much sex as she possibly can because she believes that elevates the testosterone, particularly in females. So heading into, I guess, the latter stages of fight camp, Ronda Rousey looks to get down and dirty. <laughs> now, we're all disappointed to see her, I guess, finish her career, but none more so than Travis Brown, who's obviously <laughs> been, you know, been a, a dry spell for many years, but I see they've just uh, had a, a little daughter. So obviously she's back on the, the testosterone generating <laughs> wagon once again. But yeah, as much sex as possible, boys. Uh, that's something that uh, as her partner, I'm sure Travis Brown got around quite a bit. <laughs> Ironically, I think his uh, performance declined after he started seeing Rousey. <laughs> now, now we understand why. He it was, was a, a little bit fatigued and a little bit exhausted by the time he got to the cage. Uh, uh, the interview that I saw was with Conan O'Brien and uh, Conan was trying to explain it to her and she goes, look, I don't understand the science around it. I think we just suck it out of them. And then <laughs> Conan's face just went bright red. The first the first time I can recall Ronda Rousey talking about this was in relation to the 2008 Olympics. Um, and a little bit of a stat here for you, the 2008 Olympics had roughly 145 condoms per athlete <laughs> distributed to the Olympic Village. Um, and basically it is essentially 
after four years of striving to be the absolute best in physical best condition, denying yourself the pizza, the alcohol, and working out nonstop, if you gather all of the most physical perfect specimens in a small area and let them go loose, they're going to burn their way through <laughs> half, of, uh, half of the Olympic village. Um, it's funny because some, some fighters have the exact opposite and it's normally the male fighters who steer away from sex because they, they need to keep their testosterone. Um, I remember a famous interview with George St. Pierre. They asked him and he was like, are you kidding me? No, <laughs> of course not. <laughs> of course I'm not giving that up. Are you serious? Um, which, is, uh, which is hilarious because I can just imagine George St. Pierre like running around Montreal uh, trying to trying to get his testosterone <laughs> up in the week leading up to a fight. Now this is uh, where I wish Nags was here, DL, and, and this next line may not make the cut. I appreciate that in advance, <laughs> but I've heard on the grapevine that in, in the male physique, if you work yourself right towards the climax and then don't proceed. That has a distinctly similar effect uh, in terms of elevating your testosterone Does right it? before performance. Now, I've heard that m- several times on yeah. uh, my yeah. journey and cannot confirm nor deny whether that's the truth. But uh, Sugar Snags, when you're back on the podcast. Well, that's a really nice challenge. for. Could we get, could we get Snags to, to get a... T- <laughs> Like I, to get I, a blood test or something like that, and we could I do. Just five minutes before your grappling fight, you both go off to separate bathrooms, <laughs> and then you both come out at your at your peak. Yeah, but, like- but who's the who's the control group? How do you know who's performed and who hasn't? <laughs> You'd want to get in and out of there as quickly as possible, right? Especially if you knew the other dude did the same thing. But <laughs> we're not in the same cubicle, Craig. Let's keep it respectful. <laughs> Dale, I thought that was a fine uh, segue until Craig brought up that we should actually participate in this trial. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Anyway. Anyway, uh, that's this week on Neds, boys. This week on Neds. <laughs> All right, is there no tools or tools, Stoney? No, no tools. No Just tools. Dan Andrews. No, okay. Perpetual <laughs> tool. We're not going political. All right, boys, moving through the podcast at pace, uh, we have arrived at UFC 267. Stoney, you got your stats at the ready? Sure do, mate. So UFC 267 is actually a six-fight main card. We thought we'd pick the four best to go through, um, and we're kicking it off in the welterweight division uh, with Jing Liang Li and Hazmat Shemaev. Shemaev is used to dominating his competition in his three-year run as the three-time gold medalist at the Swedish Freestyle National Championships it saw him amass a perfect 12-0 record, recording 105 points for and only allowing two points against. This matches up well with his 3-0 start to his UFC career, scoring an incredible 196 strikes landed compared to only receiving two in return. Do you feel like this fight's kind of snuck into the card? Like it's always been there, but I kind of feel like it hasn't had the limelight that it usually was when uh, uh, Shazmat into the um, into the UFC after having COVID. He's had a year off. Like he's had yeah. a, uh, he's had enough time to let the hype kind of sit yeah. down. But I reckon a good performance here will get it. Yeah, he's on such such a tear, and I think you if there's a, a test case that you want to look at for a performance where someone's been so dominant and had real complications with COVID. It'd be with Shemaev because he was on an absolute tear. So I'm going to factor that in a little bit on a gambling sense. So I just had a sneaky look, boys, and on the Neds app, gamble responsibly, $3.35 midweek. So we're recording this podcast midweek. 
$3.35 to go the distance. All I need is three rounds. Doable. So I'm taking I'm taking the man, but I think it's in three. Yeah, look, I thought it's a, not a bad bet because Lee Jingling, he doesn't get finished easy deal. No. So looking at his last two losses, Neil Magny uh, lost a unanimous decision in... 2020, uh, all the way back to 2018 for his second last loss against Jake Matthews in that uh, fight of the night over in Perth. Um, we're going a long way back. He was last finished in 2015, deal. So he not an easy man to get out of there, although Shamayev, I do recall, he was right at the peak of his, I guess, hype after his last win, if I recall correctly. That was uh, the first punch knockout statement. G3, yeah, 17 seconds. Correct. And so heading into that fight, it was, you know, let's see if he's the real deal. And then walking out, I just went, holy shit, like maybe I've been sleeping on this lad. But yeah, absolutely keen to see him get back in the cage, see how he fares. I have to assume that the layoff's been long enough to recover, albeit uh, very severe complications deal, uh, along with Cody Garbrandt, probably the, the hardest mm. hit UFC athlete uh, on the roster when it comes to COVID. Uh I'm taking him. I'm not expecting him to go to the distance. I'm going to say Chimaev round two TKO. Carbrand back in December, yeah. Correct, Cody. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of shocking when you when you do see these these elite athletes, especially someone as hot as Hasmat uh, Chimaev. Uh, he's 27 years old, and he has. Uh, he, I think he retired in April. Was it March or April this year due to the complications with COVID? Uh, and after some long chats with his coaches, they eventually encouraged him to come back. That's not encouraging. Obviously, this is about five or six months later. But the fact that he was in a position where he thought he would never be able to compete professionally again, and it was only six months ago, is concerning. Um Jing Liang Li is often slept on. He's a very, very dangerous fighter in the welterweight division. Surprised me that he was ranked 11th, but um, that that looking at his record actually shouldn't have been a surprise. Um, as much Maev has never been to a third round, perfect 9-0 record. And I think that if cardio is going to be his big issue coming back from such a layoff, it would behoove him to come out firing uh, and utilising his exceptional pressure. I'm looking to see Hasmat Shamayev. It's going to be a long night if it goes past round one, but I see Hasmat Shamayev getting it done in round one as well. All right, I was going to suggest us boys put a little bit of cash on the no distance, but you boys have given me no confidence in that whatsoever. <laughs> so let's move on to the next fight. <laughs> sorry, mate. Sorry. No, it's um, all right. I was who's, like, who's so I, th- got? I think the boys, oh, sorry. The boys were on, uh, Snag has Shamayev as well. We had to, the, probably the one that's got the most local. Uh, flavor and local excitement build around it. We've got a lightweight matchup between Islam Makachev and Dan the Hitman Hooker. Dan Hooker sits at number six all time for most strikes landed per minute in UFC lightweight history. Not to be outdone, Makachev sits at the top of the all time list regardless of weight division for the fewest absorbed strikes per minute. Um, so it is one of those ones where someone's record is probably going to go the wayside, but Islam Makachev absorbs less than one strike per minute um, across his UFC career. going to be really hard not to pick the hangman here. I feel the journey and the fairy tale around it, it's just too much for me. I'm a, I'm, I like to bet by the heart, and I think this is what we're going to do. I don't know if I'd actually put any money on it. Uh, actually, fuck it, I probably will, so don't worry about that. <laughs> 
Uh, and I'm sure Stony, and I'm sure Stony's probably going to go the other way. So this could be huge for me. So I'm going to take the Hangman. DL more and more me than the Hangman. You have underestimated me severely. Ooh, get around it. I, I am. This is the fight I'm, I'm most keen for on the, this whole card. Yeah. I think this is a phenomenal fight. Um, first and foremost, I love Dan Hooker. Mm. So I'm biased from the outset. I accept yep. that. But secondly, I think he really takes this one to, to Islam. And, and granted Statman's points about Islam, uh, you know, conceding the you know, such few strikes. Uh, like he's very, very tough to, to cause any damage on. I just get a sense that uh, with the mentality Dan Hooker's rocking, there, th- this is his roll of the dice. I think if he loses this, I don't think he is really in contention. And I know that might seem like a very provocative statement, but he, he's dropped a, a decision to Dustin Poirier. Mm. He got knocked out, which I would say unexpectedly. I, mm. I think I had him tipped to beat Michael Chandler. Mm. If he lost to Islam as well, that would be three in his last four. I think that uh, doesn't put a nail in his aspirations to hold gold, but it, it, it certainly puts a thumbtack in those aspirations. <laughs> a little thumbtack. Some gentle, just some blue tack maybe that has been like used to stick up a different poster of once upon a time. So it's still there. Still- so what I'm saying is I think there's a hell of a lot riding on this for Dan Hooker and I'm backing our boy to get it done and I'm backing it that he gets this by outpointing uh, Islam. Uh, I think he does his best to avoid the takedown, clearly, because uh, I think everyone is in a world of trouble once it hits the deck. But I'm tipping a... a Split decision, win for Dan Hooker. Show how they talk about UFC having poster child certain countries. Yep. And Israel Adesanya is always the New Zealand poster child. Move over Israel Adesanya. Mm. The UFC is heavily invested in Dan Hooker. He is promoting the PI like anything else. Mm. Like he loves it. Vegas loves it. Like everything he's doing, he is pumping it. And apparently UFC is really looking after him and his family, which is great. And, and so they all do, Dale. As you said, yeah. he, he's... Uh, sacrificed a lot. Sacrificed a lot. He's being a real company man, as they, they put it. Uh, yep. Taking fights on short notice, not giving a fuck. Willing to to fight anyone, anytime, anywhere. And I know that, that that's something Dana White has always loved and respected. I go back through Islam's opponents and, you know, Drew Dober was the one that I thought might cause him a little bit more trouble um, than, than what he evidently did. None of them are, are even remotely on the level of Dan Hooker from, from what I can tell. And I know that it's fraught with danger when you've got a, a star on the rise to look at their record and say they've never fought someone to this level because Islam is clearly light years ahead of all the people that he's fought so far. I think this is a cracking fight, boys. Uh, Stepman. Yeah, I'm, I'm incredibly excited for this one. This is this is uh, on a card filled with such incredible fights. This is the fight that I'm looking forward to most. And I think that Dan Hooker does have some uh, key avenues to victory. And a lot of the time when it comes up against something like someone like um, Islam Makachev or Habib Nurmagomedov, um, why do I always screw up his surname? Dan Hooker actually has... What's that? I wouldn't even attempt it. It's a little <laughs> bit like Madonna or sure. If you just say Habib, yeah, everyone knows Habib who we're talking. Uh, Hooker has uh, a dangerous guillotine. He's got incredible standing knees and his striking is fantastic. I rewatched his fight against, uh, against Dustin Poirier. Dustin Poirier, a, a top three lightweight in any era of the sport. And Dan Hooker was inches away from beating him. One of the, my favorite fights of all time. Um, Islam Makachev obviously hasn't quite fought the same level of competition that Dan Hooker has. However, I do think that his style matches up quite favorably against Dan Hooker. Um, my 
I'm going to pick against the the Oceanic boy here, um, and it's probably not going to be too much of a surprise to you guys. Um, The good news is I'm more often wrong uh, when it comes to picking against the Oceanic boys. So I'm waving the flag for Dan Hooker. I just see that this is an opportunity for me to move ahead in the picks. Um, Islam Markachev, I see this going like a Khabib versus Dustin Poirier fight. Um, or Khabib versus maybe a Justin Gaethje with more crisp striking. But I do think that the, the pressure and the grappling will be too much for Dan Hooker. Um, you, it's funny you mentioned the Drew Dober fight, but uh, Drew Dober went backstage uh, after his fight with Islam Makachev, and I believe it was Justin Gaethje that he met backstage, and they locked eyes and they were like, what the fuck was that? And Gaethje was reminiscing about his Khabib fight, Drew Dober obviously reminiscing about his uh, fight with Islam. And I think back to Dustin Poirier um, midway through his fight with Khabib just saying, I can't get him off me. I can't do anything. I can't do anything here. And that is the overwhelming response to people who have fought Khabib and the overwhelming response to people who have fought Islam Makachev. Um, And I just, I, I want Dan Hooker to win this fight. I just think that uh, the smart pick for me uh, at this stage, where I am in the in the in the ladder, and where I am looking at the odds and looking at their matchup, I think Islam Makachev's the better pick for me. Certainly, the odds uh, agree with you, Statman. I think um, Dan wouldn't Hooker it be good at, though? Around five dollars. Now I've got a bit of a. I'm not a very profitable better deal. So <laughs> if anyone's out there listening, don't take this uh, advice because I will reference the good ones. I put money on Holly Holm to beat Ronda Rousey at $7. I put money on Anthony Pettis to beat uh, Wonderboy Thompson, opened at $7. Uh, I've put money on Roxanne Modafferi to beat Aspen Ladd or Macy Barber. No, it was was, uh, D. Osgoyle. Macy Barber. Macy Barber, Barber. and she was paying over $5. Anytime I I see someone over $5 who has talent. Now, I get there's very one side and you've never heard of someone there over $5, you don't put money on them. Yeah. Dan Hooker is not someone we've never heard of. He is clearly, in my eyes, in contention for that top five. Um, he's an elite in, fighter. In, in, the, in the division. He, yeah. And he's gone toe-to-toe with the, the current best. So we, we just genuinely will accept that Dustin Poirier, in the absence of Habib, Dustin Poirier is, I understand Charles Oliveira is the I champion. Say, and I was going to say, I will not, I will not allow this Charles Oliveira <laughs> erasure to come from your mouth. But... It's yeah. I still look at Dustin Poirier as as the bee's knees in that division right now, even if he's not wearing the gold strap. Uh, and to see Dan Hooker's gone toe to toe with the best, I think paying around five dollars is you just have to throw something on that deal. And you and I will throw something. Oh on yeah, that. for sure, for sure, for sure. Degenerates. And that's why my bank account is terrible. <laughs> but you, you're you're absolutely right. He he's the deserved underdog going into this fight, but he shouldn't be paying $5. If you see a $5 bet and you think that he has more odds than the, the odds makers have given him, even if you think that, uh, that he's a $3 underdog, bet on him at $5. Don't bet your bank, obviously, um, because they do say a losing slip is a losing slip no matter how close you got. <laughs> um, but I think he's well worth well worth a few units. I know the, I know the punch list boys always talk about Women's MMA being a coin flip, yes. it's fifty-fifty. But majority of time, both divisions mm. are nearly a coin flip. Anyone well, can beat anyone. When you've got they're someone who's got proven runs on the board and they're paying over five, I think you've got to seriously consider it because this is, as the old saying goes, it's a it's a two horse race. Um, you know, anything can happen in the, in this game. 
Five dollars for Dan Hooker is insanity in my mind. So absolutely, we're getting on that one deal. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Co-main, start man. Perfect. We got a bantamweight, uh, interim bantamweight title fight. I'm ready just to call it the the bantamweight title fight <laughs> between Peter Yarn and Corey Sanhagen. Petty Yarn is the only champion in a major MMA promotion to have lost his title due to DQ. I went through the records of Pride, Strikeforce, Bellator, One, PFL, and the UFC, cool. and it all turned up nothing. Solid. He's the only one to lose his title by DQ. John Jones came very close with the Anthony, Anthony Smith fight. Smith very, very bravely fought on. Uh, it wasn't the case in the Yarn Sterling fight. That's why the stat man's a stat man. It's beautiful work. Uh, Yarn is elite. I just think Corey can give him a bit of trouble. I had him winning the TJ fight. Um, I did as uh, well. Yeah, I did too. Yeah. So did the so, media. So did 21 media outlets. <laughs> <laughs> so I think what's going to happen, I'm, I'm going to take Sanhagen for the real undisputed band and weight title by decision. Uh, I think that, that was the, the fight that, that determined the – the TJ one? Yeah, TJ and, and Kato, I, I rolled the dice on my boy TJ. So very disappointed that the rightful uh, contender is not getting his shot at the hmm. interim uh, title, albeit under duress because he is injured. So that, that makes a little bit of sense. But, um, yeah, very, very interesting. So what's it, Aljo's on the shelf? Is he Stepman? Yeah, yeah. He's got um, – I believe he's got some vertebrae that he needs to fix. Um, it's, it's by all accounts, it seems like a – Pretty significant, genuine injury, um, uh, and yeah, he's he's on the shelf for a little while. Yeah, and I, I think this is this is a tremendous fight. Uh, Petty Yarn, geez, I, I've got a lot of respect for that lad. Uh, I think he he's quicker. I think he, he hits more crisp. Sanhagen, very good, but I think Yarn uh, puts on a bit of a masterclass in this one. I'm picking uh, Petty Yarn by round three stoppage TKO. Pedian is is one of my favorite fighters coming up. Uh, just his 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 brutality and just the way he mixes in his strikes they hurt. Especially for a bantamweight, he carries true power. Um, very similar to the power that TJ Dillashaw brings to the division, um, but he also like the overwhelming pressure that he brings to the fights. Um, Corey Sanhagen. Uh, the thing that I think he brings to this fight is four inches taller than Pedian. He uses his his height and his length incredibly well. Um, watching him knock out Frank Yeager, it was a beautiful knockout. It killed me inside to see Frank Yeager go down. Um, and he has looked fantastic, uh, obviously, the Marlon Marais knockout and also the TJ Delashaw fight where the, like you can acknowledge either way, whoever won. It was a very, very close, very, very competitive and very, very high-level fight. Um, I think Jan is too skilled in this fight. Um, I think that he's too clever to be caught uh, with a sneaky shot um, like Marlon Marais was. Um, and I think that we've seen that he's got a chin. He can handle it. He can handle pressure. Aljamain Sterling, as much as we would like to think that that match was a blowout until the illegal knee, he did put the pressure on Peter Jan in the first round. Jan composed He's he looked like a little Terminator, mate, and he fought him down and then beat the crap out of him. And let's not forget, Aljamain Sterling is an elite fighter who has a submission victory over Corey Sanhagen. So I'm taking Petey Yarn in this one. I think it'll be around so either a round two or a round three uh, KO. Who, uh, Stoney, you went round three, did you? Correct, mate, yeah. Yeah, I'll go round two. Round two KO for that one. 
And Snags took a yarn decision. Uh, sorry, I think we missed Snags in the last one too. He's oh. got hooker, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Doesn't surprise me. In our main event, we have a UFC light heavyweight title fight between Jan Blahovic and Glover Teixeira. Jan Blahovic had arguably the worst start to a UFC career for someone who then went on to win a title. Winning just two of his first six fights with the company, he was probably lucky that he didn't actually get cut. Blahovic would then capitalize on a tumultuous time in the light heavyweight division and now sits at 7-1 and one in his last eight. So I did also get a little bit of a collection of fighters who went on to get the championship but also had really rough starts to their UFC run. Um, you might disagree. You might think that two of the ones at the end had a worse start than uh, Jan Blahovic. So Matt Serra went 3-3 three and three in his first six. Charles Oliveira went 3-2 and two and a no contest in his first six. And then the two that are arguably worse, Brandon Marino went three and two and then got cut. And Fabrizio Verdum, who went back, uh, who came back and won his uh, UFC heavyweight championship, he went two and two with the UFC before getting cut. Uh, both fighters had to go to the regional circuit. Fabrizio Verdum went to Strike Force, submitted Fedor Emelianenko, and booked his way back into the UFC. And Brandon Marino had a couple of, um, I think, a single regional show and then came back stronger for it. Um, so I don't know if getting cut getting cut seems to be worse, right? Maybe. <laughs> Just discount the fact halfway through. But going two and four is pretty rough in your UFC run. Isn't it crazy to think people can get cut and then come back to hold the UFC gold? That mm. is, um, yeah, talk about the, the all-time comeback steal. It's a little bit weird. I'm going to take the big Polish warrior. Statman, how old is the oldest, sorry, how old is the oldest UFC fighter to challenge for a belt? Uh, probably Randy Couture, I, I'd have to imagine, um, uh, or Dan Henderson when he challenged Michael Bisping the second time around. It's a big Texas forty-one, yeah. Yeah, it'd be. Uh, I think I think Dan Henderson or uh, Randy Couture would have been forty-three. So Glover Tishira is up there though. Like he's 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 getting up there. He looks so good though. It does. He, Gives me hope. I might be able. To <laughs> I think I'm going to have to take Yarn. I think I'm going to have to take Yarn, and I'm going to probably take him fairly early. I was thinking first, but I think he might get through to the second. So second, I reckon it'll be a stoppage, TKO. Yeah, look, this is a big one. I, I had uh, the big Texan ridden off for all money in about 2018 after he'd lost to, to Rumble Johnson, Alexander Gustafson, and Corey Anderson. And I was thinking it might just be curtains. And then he just turned it around, uh, and he's gone on an absolute tear. And that, that last fight with Tiago Santos, I was on Tiago Santos, and... Boy, was that a back-and-forth fight in terms of... I know Statman and myself were head-to-head on that one, mm. uh, and the group chat was just nuts because uh, Santos would knock him down and then he wouldn't be out, but then uh, Glover would, would threaten with a submission then they'd get back up, then Santos, you know, would look like he put him out, then he just cannot... You know, very difficult to get knocked out, the big Texan. Uh, but I think if anyone's going to do it, it will be Jan Blachowicz. I think he, he's got next-level power. For, for this division DL and you look at who he's fought now he's on a, a nice little streak Luke Rockhold Jack Ray Souza Corey Anderson Dominic Reyes and Israel Adesanya now if that's not uh, one of the who's who win streaks in the UFC right now then I don't know what is so I'm picking Yarn to get this one done in the second round TKO 
I love the story around Glover Teixeira taking this title because um, he's had a pretty, uh, like you mentioned, it, he had a, a few rough years, not quite as as bad as um, Jan Blachowicz's start in the UFC, but he had a few rough years where maybe people were trying to maybe encourage him to retire. The thing I love about um, Glover Teixeira, even dating back to his Ryan Bader fight, is the more damage he takes, the more dangerous he is. Uh, the Tiago Santos fight is a perfect example. And then there's also the times where he's just absolutely violent from the get-go with his Anthony Smith fight, um, which <laughs> churns my stomach to still think about Anthony Smith's teeth falling out in the fight in the middle of the oh. fight. Um, I, th- I don't think that there is a, a fighter on the UFC who had as much undeserved uh, dismissal as Jan Blachowicz did when he won the title. I mean, obviously the fight against Dominic Reyes was phenomenal. Uh, that knockout was huge. But the Israel Adesanya fight, I feel, went a very, very long way in building up a bit of respect around Jan Blachowicz. Um, obviously, Israel Adesanya fought a, a good fight, but it was almost like Jan Blachowicz had his number on the feet as well. At the very least, defensively, he had his number on the feet. I'm taking Jan Blachowicz in this one. I think that it will go to decision. I think Glover Tishira is too tough for his own good to be put out, even though Polish power hits like a truck. Um, but I'm taking Jan Blachowicz by decision. Uh, he's going to use his, his grappling to, to negate the forward offense of Tashira. Boys, Snags has gone Jan, TKO around three. Loving the Jan respect here. Yeah, that rounds us out nicely, and we'll see what happens after UFC 267. Boys, let's round out the podcast a little bit of Punters Club. Now, boys, what I'm thinking, what I'm thinking, in the absence of snacks, I think we can get creative here uh-huh. with, our, with our multi. We know snacks doesn't like to stick with the MMA multis, but we can. So, boys, here's what I'm thinking. To celebrate, not celebrate, that's probably the wrong word, snacks, apologize. For <laughs> in, in, I'm good with celebrate. Okay, celebrating. <laughs> in honor of snacks, having the week off the potty, I'm going to do a very snags thing. I'm going to double the pot tonight. <laughs> So we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna put twenty dollars in this week, boys. Twenty dollars. So we've got some choices. So I'm thinking we either build a multi, maybe main card, maybe take some prelims, or we get creative and we take some finishes on some fights that we're pretty confident in. Boys, what do you think, Stony? What are you thinking, man? I was listening to an old podcast today, and it was actually Snags put a, a bit like a mixed multi. He put a Snags multi, and he put a ten leg together that was paying something like three thousand dollars. <laughs> And at the end of it, he said, the only leg I'm worried about, and he just obviously picked one. And yeah. Statman said, what, out of all leg you're only worried about? <laughs> I think he, as it uh, eventuated, two legs actually come through and the rest all didn't. So um, that, that in honour of you doubling the pot, it, mm. it is you know a commemoration to our good friend Sugar Snags, who yeah. look forward to his return to the podcast. Mate, I'm all for the doubled pot. And yep. honestly, I know if we're doing this in, in honour of the great man, yep. I think it would be wrong to not throw a bit of caution into the wind. Ooh. And given that there was three against one with the Dan Hooker and Dan Hooker paying $5, oh, stop it. I know that the stat man's not liking this, but I think it would be unfair to not play a leg of Dan Hooker oh, oh. at those odds. Lovely. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So Ned's gamble responsibly has a split decision payout, right, on Dan Hooker. So that means if it goes to a split decision and oh, he loses, right. boys are on. That's right. I remember. I remember that. Um, I remember yep. reading that. 
That's a it's so good. So promotion on the Neds up. Yep. UFC main card split decision payout. Place a head-to-head bet on any UFC 267, and if the fighter loses by a split decision, you'll get paid out as a winner. I like it. How good is that, man? Because especially, yep. especially because this fight, theoretically, it's more likely than not to go to the decision. And yep. anytime you chuck in judges into into the decision-making process, you're opening yourself up to issues. All right, so this is what I'm thinking. If you put it in a multi-jerk and it avoids it. Oh, who knows? Let's give it a whirl. Because I'm thinking, right, we could put 20 just on that, but it's only 100 bucks. So I think we need to juice it up a bit. <laughs> in times like these, you ask yourself, what would Sugar Snags do? Oh, and he would add another nine legs deal, All right, another cool. nine minimum. All right, we're taking, Dan, we're taking Dan Hooker. Who else is on the card that we like that's showing some value? Well, in honor in honor of Ned's, um, I'm chucking in uh, one of my top five unranked Dagestani prospects, Tagir Ulanbekov. Uh, he's only paying a dollar thirty, but for over two and a half rounds in a three round fight, uh, it is a dollar fifty seven. So I'm banking that this one will go to decision, or at the very well, you're least, you're taking two and a half like, over two and a half rounds, over two and a half rounds. So it will go $1. to fifty seven a decision, um, or it will end late in the third. $1.57 for Tikia. I like it. So we've got Dan Hooker and we've got your Dazikstani boy. Dazikstani. Dazikstan. I wish you could uh, I wish you could pick <laughs> him by decision, but it's all good. We'll take it. Uh, Alexander Volkov's in there too. Yeah, he is. Okay. I like that. What's his fight? Uh, against the against the uh, the polar bear. Polar bear. <laughs> the Tybura. Tybura, of course. Uh, yeah, no, I did say that and I've actually thrown that into uh, one of my own multis. Oh, yeah. Uh I, don't, I think he. Or would you like Jan? I think we we have to put as in Jan Blahovic. I think we have to. Oh, there's two Jans. Yeah, I think we have to. Given it was a clean <laughs> sweep, all four of us went Jan Blahovic, correct? Yep. I think we have to put him in. I, I'd be favourable for the knockout. Um, but okay. even just on the nose, uh, I'm comfortable with with either. Um, oh, a man, right. Rebus is fighting as well. So we've got one more. Do we want to take a man of Rebus? I think we do. Yeah. Would that would Snags go? Yeah, we could put Amanda Rebus in for uh, snacks. Dollar sixty-two. Done. So, what, what are we looking at overall? So, I, I suspect this will be a fairly nice sixteen ninety-one. Oh, I can price boost it too. Thanks, Neds. Do you want to chuck one more on there? Oh yes, that That's man. Weird. Go, go. Azmat Chimaev by KO or submission. Dollar sixty-two. Stop it. Completely contrary to DLs. Let's put money on. <laughs> <laughs> Jingling by decision. <laughs> Method of victory: seven ways. KO or sub. Double chance. Oh, down, double chance. Double down to the double chance. As much as my have by KO or sub. Sub or points. KO or sub. Dollar sixty-two. Yep, that's the one. Oh yes, boys. Fifth leg added. We can price boost that thing to thirty-one dollars <laughs> ten. Like it. Boys yep. can drop twenty bucks on it. It's six hundred and twenty-two dollars. Happy with that, boys? Yeah. Oh, yes. hang on. That's not right. That's mass terrible. No, is it? Yeah. No, that's right. See, at 20 bucks at 31, 620. Yep. Yeah. Boys, that is a wrap on episode 61. If you like what we're doing, please like, share, comment, or subscribe to the podcast. Subscribing or following us is the best way to stay up to date. That is episode 61, boys. I'm producer DL. I'm the stat man. And my name is Stoney. <laughs> and we'll run it back with you all on the next run back. Pretty timely too.